All right, and welcome to the Technical Shit Show podcast. We're here with me, Jay, Monty, Porter, and Stratty. How are you guys doing tonight? Hola. Pretty good. Pretty good. good. You forgot and Craig. Fuck Craig. Craig is a piece of shit. Anyways. Craig, Craig can, is the Craig bot for people listening and confused. No, Craig is not a bot. Craig is a real person. He's sitting in, in the channel and he's listening to us. Okay? Hey, Craig, you want to say something? I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm kind of retarded. Yeah, that's what I thought. Pussy. <laughs> okay so uh where the fuck do we start i am so lost after this shit i'll I'll go ahead and say what i was gonna say because i was starting on that yeah Uh, okay so i I meant to address this on the second episode but i completely forgot so better late than never but uh you know kobe bryant passed away recently and i know probably most y'all don't really care about basketball but there's no denying that every single one of y'all know Kobe's name and who he is. Yep. Uh, see, and I grew up, I love basketball, and I grew up playing it. So it, it was kind of shocking for me. And there's not that many times where, like, uh, someone popular passes away and it, like, literally makes you, like, it fucks up your day. You know what I mean? That's one of the, that's probably one of the few times that's ever happened to me. Because I remember, like, when that happened, my friend texted me, whatever I was doing, I just couldn't do it all day. And, there's just one thing that it made me think of, and it's, uh, you know how you, you hear people saying, uh, don't, don't meet your heroes and all that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Fuck that yeah, of course. bullshit. Uh, if you can really go out and meet your heroes, because what it got me thinking is I'm lucky as fuck to have met Ron Paul and Lou Rockwell before, you know, knock on wood, they pass away. And even if they were assholes to me, so be it. Their impact still means a lot to me, you know, and I think people need to take that for what it is. So that's just kind of a thing I wanted to get out there, like rest in peace, Kobe. But to everyone here in this, go uh, love, go get with your loved ones. Let them know how much they mean to you. Go cement your legacy and go meet your heroes. You Wait, know, uh, to be clear. so were they a holes to you? Hell yeah. no, hell no. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, I was just making sure. Like, okay, <laughs> let me get it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell the story real quick. Strategy flexing. Rock- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Lou Rockwell was beyond nice like holy hell lou rockwell was so nice to me and my girlfriend um so oh, I, flexing I, again i walked up, i walked up we walked up to him and uh you know of course like i was a little red in the face because you know love the dude and uh i just you know I, I let him know how much like how his book kind of changed my whole perspective on everything and then uh we i told him about the student group i run here in new mexico and we got to talking. And he just asked me if I'd go, if I'd be in Auburn this next summer, and I told him I damn sure would try my best. And that was that was about it. But he was super nice. And then I didn't get to talk to Ron Paul much, but super nice. Uh, you know, very attentive whenever he was talking to me. And you know, both guys cared what they had to say, cared what you cared what I had to say. And then uh, I tell you, the best conversation though was Jeff Dice for sure. Jeff you Dice. Jeff Dice too. Fucking hell. I mean, he, he was, yeah, he was, uh, it was cool. Cause he could, he actually recognized my name and who I was named after, which is a uh, playboy bunny, <laughs> but, uh, we had a good conversation. <laughs> hey, there we go. Yeah. But we had a good conversation about that. He was pretty funny. Uh, pretty, all of them were pretty down to earth. So that was really cool. But no, nah, that's one of the best days of my life was. Yes. Yeah, right. You want to help slide me a, a recommendation letter to me? you. For yeah. sure, for sure. Contact we'll talk, one of the big boys. We'll talk after this. Yeah, <laughs> sick. 
Yeah, Stratty, I'm going to be catching up with you, meeting all these big names at uh, Mises U this summer. For sure, dude. I, yeah, like uh, I still haven't heard back from my scholarship, but fingers crossed. Yeah, I don't think I don't think either of us will know until um, after the deadline in April. Yeah, yeah, that's I texted one of the guys that I know that went last year on scholarship, and he said that too. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, so uh, I actually have a structure, unlike my university. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, your university just sends it to you whenever, when, when they feel like it, you know? Yeah, it took them about a month to give me my scholarship money. That was fun. <laughs> God, I hate my school so much. And three and a half years in, I learned that if you have scholarships coming, you actually don't have to pay up front. After three and a half years of paying up front. <laughs> so I was literally going... Just, they probably figured you could just live off of usury or something for those couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> I was going for a month, only like $20 in my bank account. So that was yeah. fun. Or whatever your family makes money off of. <sighs> Not usury. <laughs> I wish we made money off usury. I'll make more. <sighs> All right. So, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, topics for I'm today. Really uh, we're going to start with collapsitarianism because that's a pretty big, like, just talking point for the last two or so years. I mean, a lot of people just feel like shit is hopeless. So, well, let's start a civil war. Let's watch it collapse. <laughs> That's great. Well, libertarians have to support war. That's really, that's really what I think when I think libertarians. Well, we should uh, back up a little bit, I think, and, and define collapsitarianism, and then maybe separate them into different groups because there definitely are different groups. Um, so yeah. In, in twenty twenty, if you don't know what a collapsitarian is, stop. Well, here's what I think of when I think collapsitarian. I think of someone that is just kind of welcoming the currency collapse, the economic collapse, the collapse of the American dollar, you know, so then everything goes to hell and all the institutions crash and all that, which I think has terrible consequences, but that, that's what I think of when I think collapsitarian. I don't know. Yeah, that's, one, that's, that's definitely one of the camps. That's the camp I used to think of, but now I think more of the Boogaloo boys and all the people really? are like calling for revolution now because there's uh, no other a- way to reform. That's an interesting point because I hadn't actually like considered them to be in the same group. I kind of considered yeah, me neither. I considered the the Bugalitionists to be kind of <laughs> their own like form of libertarian and well, collapsitarians uh, to be like a different uh, sect. You know, I mean, think of it. It is just the uh, boys are sort of a subset of collapsitarians. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good point. I think uh, that's true. It's revolutionary. That's not. I think. A lot of the Boogaloo guys are, I, you know, like whenever we said in the first episode, those guys that are not well read, I think a lot of the Boogaloo guys are not well read and they're just trying to, uh, try, trying to have a footing in the libertarian world without really knowing what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because most right. of them are 11 years old. <laughs> exactly. Hey, hey, exactly. Hey, some of them are 12. Oh, <laughs> Twelve and a half. Hey, some of them, some of them are former veterans that will never tell you where they were stationed, what their name is, all of that kind. Of yeah. And it's like, That's what do you true. have to be afraid of if you're like, you know? Uh, no, uh, there's some Boogaloo guys though that I really do like, and I think are genuine. Yeah, I think they're genuine but misguided. Yep. Is is whiskey and rebellion uh, a Boogaloo boy? Sometimes I can't tell because he's pretty well read. He's definitely a collapsitarian, but I don't know if yeah. he falls into the more aggressive camp or the passive camp. Like I absolutely know that he'll, you know, use force to defend himself if everything goes to shit. 
But yeah. uh, he doesn't really seem like the type to be like cheering on um, violent. Yeah, I exactly. Exactly. I think it depends on his mood. <laughs> That's probably I've seen true. Both. He'd probably say the same thing. <laughs> oh my god. My... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, okay. New rule Monty, stop sending shit while we're in the middle of recording. God damn it. It's <laughs> like the third time you fucking that. do that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh man, as if this episode wasn't off to a bad start enough already. <laughs> oh god. Why okay, did after he... saying that, I want to collapse. He left and uh, started a call. Yo, why'd Bonnie, you... why'd you send me another call? I did not. I did not. I'm gonna screenshot this and send it later. God dang it! Cause you <laughs> did too. What? Oh man, this is gonna Strati, be like are you running? Strati, are you running Discord off of Internet Explorer? I'm running it off literally a laptop and a phone right now because I'm trying to get this as fucking <laughs> clear as possible. Okay, where did we leave off? All right. Um, Whiskey uh, Rebellion. Whiskey Rebellion. It, so I guess it, it there are two types. There are two types of uh, collapsitarians then. There's like the no, aggressive and the passive type. There's three types. And then there's the preppers. Okay, yeah. See, that's what I've always thought of as collapsitarian, though. I always like mostly just thought about the, the preppers. Yeah. So wait, let's let's outline them like it's leaving them off. So the first type is the financial collapsitarians, correct? Yeah. Yeah, or, I mean, it's not even just specifically financial collapsitarians, but the people that are welcoming on any type of collapse. There's a lot of them see the financial system as bound for a collapse, so they're trying to speed it up. Right, they think that's most likely. Yeah, but... so those are the accelerationists. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Boogaloo Boys, who they don't want an economic collapse or anything like that. They want to bring the collapse of the system through revolution. And of then course, you have the preppers. What they, what they believe would also happen to destroy everything, but... Oh, yeah. It, it would be a terrible, absolutely horrible system. Okay, so and before we go on to number, before we go to number three, here's the thing: I don't think the Boogaloo Boys are smart enough to understand that an economic collapse would literally bring about what the what they want, pretty much. You know what I mean? No, they're not, because if you've noticed, yeah. not a lot of them are well read. Would even nope. an economic collapse do that? Uh, I think an economic collapse, like we were talking about, in maybe the part of the countries episode, could be able to get out of it, but. Yeah, I think that an economic collapse would weaken the federal government enough for individual groups to start leaving. Oh, and, I see. Yeah, and then there's the preppers, who they may or may not be accelerationists, but regardless, even if they welcome it or not, they see the end coming and they want to be prepared. They're sort of a neutral position. See, I most identify with the preppers as someone who like calls themselves an agorist and is especially focused on um, studying entrepreneurial economics. Uh, I like reading about like counter institu- institutions and how they form and like building alternative int- infrastructure to the state and stuff like that. And that's kind of what preppers do. It's not necessarily entrepreneurial, but like they're setting the groundwork to become entrepreneurial once um, you know there ha- a-, a collapse happens and then you know they have to fill other people's needs. And they can do so like for their own benefit. You know, I think um, there will be kind of an underground trade that develops, assuming there's not too much violence in a collapse. So that's kind of the sect of collapsitarianism that interests me the most. See, but that underground trade, it already exists. Look at the deep web. Oh, I don't disagree. Yeah, I know. It does. Oh, you're just saying like on a higher level, more out in the open. 
Yeah, I'm I'm saying I like I think that what they're doing now um, underground will become like the above ground replacement if everything else collapses and burn da- burns down around it. <coughs> Shit, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I also relate to those people. Not even just for like the counter economics part, but because I do believe it is good to be prepped no matter what. Mm-hmm. Because that collapse can even be a temporary collapse. I mean, look at after a nasty tornado or hurricane, where shit is, you know, you're off the grid involuntarily for a few weeks. I mean, look at after Katrina, where people were waiting on FEMA because they didn't prepare enough, and FEMA took over a week to get there with even just water. Mm-hmm. Look at Puerto Rico, yeah. where it, it's still fucked. I mean, they're recovering, but they're still fucked from that hurricane two years ago. So anything uh, can happen, and I understand the Indian National Trump. Guard did take guns. They confiscated guns, and I mean, in look at, Puerto Rico or Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana, Katrina. Yeah, I was just, yeah, yeah, Katrina, Katrina. They sent in like the Oklahoma National Guard or something. And like one thing yeah. that people don't understand with uh, Katrina was, like, uh, you know, we always hear this talk about FEMA camps and how that's never going to happen. That's literally a real example where you can point at and say this happened. People were forced out of their homes, forced into these camps for their well-being by the federal government. And what did that do for them? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what prosperity came from that? Yeah. And I mean, you had cops busting down like old ladies' houses to get their guns. Uh, there's a video of this. And it's just fucking I've crazy. I've seen that, so, yeah. The National yeah. Guard going door to door. Not so National Guard, local police. To anybody that says that the police will not take your guns, they did it. They do it. They've done it. They'll keep doing it. I mean, even it's in a natural disaster, even in a natural disaster, I mean, it's not just people you have to worry about. After Katrina in New Orleans, there were literally packs of like hungry, dangerous dogs roaming in the streets and attacking people. You need a gun on you in that situation. I mean, in Florida, if there's a state of emergency declared, I can walk out on the street with a rifle on me, no problem. You know, so real, to go back to the economic collapse question, you know, this makes it even more uh, urgent why every American should own a gun because if the economic collapse happens, that's just not going to uh, affect one region like Katrina did Louisiana. That's going to affect the whole country. And when it's that collapse the whole world. happens, yeah, and when, yes, exactly, because when that collapse happens, you're going to have all these other countries that are going to start marching up into America saying pay up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you need do, guns. Do you, you need crypto. <laughs> yeah. Buy Monero. Or gold. Hell, even then, just gold. Not Something... gold. In a situation like that, you want silver coins because those yeah. are the most fungible. Just anything that has any kind of value to it that is not backed by nothing. The, I mean, the really. dollar is backed by the full face and trust of the United States government. What do you mean it's backed by nothing? Come on. <laughs> Come on. It's backed it's by no blowing fed. up brown kids in the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, really, at the, at the bare bones minimum, at, uh, just at least some kind of commodity that you could trade. Have something of value. Yeah, I agree. You def- and the, this is the thing. This is where I agree with the preppers. Because I don't want a collapse to happen. But at some point, it is bound to happen. And you need to be prepared for this shit. You need something to trade, even if it's cigarettes. Do you know how valuable cigarettes become as a currency in a situation like that? Look at prisons. In prisons, <laughs> pr- cigarettes are literally currencies. <laughs> did, you, did you guys ever see that 
onion video about uh the That's cigarette exactly market. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, of. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like a pack of cigarettes and now two hand jobs. <laughs> I forget who it was, but there's someone that has like a good chapter in their book, and they literally do like an economic study of cigarettes as a currency in a prison. Yeah, and I thought not, that was it's not from a book. It's a, it's an article by an economist who became a prisoner of war in World War II, and he uh, details like how cigarettes became a commodity currency in the in the war camps okay and i just a, knew i heard I'll, about that yeah i'll link it in the show notes page because that is one of my favorite pieces ever yeah cool. carl minger actually in the uh the first chapter of principles of economics uses tobacco production uh, as an example to illustrate um what laws govern economic goods it's kind of interesting so it's always been a big thing <laughs> Yeah, uh, and this children I, is why you should smoke cigarettes. Um, Lou no. Start young, five years old. I I know for sure Lou Rockwell has an article out there trying to talk about like how um, economics is just natural, like you know trade is natural, and he used the example of cigarettes in prison as a example of that. Yeah, it it is just you see it happen spontaneously. It is something that you can't avoid. So you have to be prepped for these situations because there will be these little markets that arise in the disturbance. So medicine, uh, precious metals, cryptocurrency, if there's still electricity. But if there's not, you could do a whole episode talking about like cold storage and notes and all that shit. But so bullets, medicine, cigarettes, uh, uh, fucking precious metals. These are all very important to have, not just for yourself, but because of what they can get you in an emergency situation like that. So I, I have one question because, like, you know, I'm still learning about crypto and all that. Yeah. Um. So if you come to the right did, place. Yeah. It, it, uh, if a collapse did happen, and um, say we had no access to internet, any kind of World Wide Web, how would we access our crypto? Like oh, ho, ho. okay, 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 okay. Yeah. I can take this one we entirely. <laughs> we have time for this. I can, I can make it really quick. So basically, right. the way that the blockchain works is that you need peer-to-peer connection in order to transfer cryptocurrency. But actual cryptocurrency is stored in your hardware wallet. So whether if it's on your desktop, if it's on your laptop, even if you have like a little hardware bridge wallet, like a Trezor, it is there. It is physically there in your computer. So one of the first things you need, a solar-powered charging panel. You can buy those off Amazon, like $50. They're great. They'll do the job for you. The next thing is, there's this device called the Gotenna Mesh, which basically creates a relay peer-to-peer network within a mile radius. And it works with radio. It's rechargeable. And if you have two people using it, it creates a temporary network between the two of you. So if you have two people that have it, and it's in a collapse, and you have a solar charger, and you have your technology with you, and you have your crypto on hand, you can use that Gotenna Mesh to create a temporary network for the both of you to transfer that cryptocurrency. Okay, so from my, what I understand, here's what you're saying. So say like we're in a little marketplace, and mm-hmm. we're both within a mile of each other, and we run into each other, and we decide, say I want to buy something off you. So yeah. what you're, are you basically saying like we set up our fucking setup like the solar panels and shit, and then we pull out our laptops and we just make a little deal that way to exchange that away? Or it, a little bit more simple. It could be I have a marketplace. I own two bridges. I own a few of those solar power charging banks, and I have them charged. Then all that needs to happen is you need to plug into one of those. You need to connect to that Gotenna mesh, and then we have a network between us. Simple as. 
Okay, like I, okay, so I'm not denying that that I think could work, and I think that is a good idea. Now, here's my my only my last question on it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's practical in terms of everyone's going to pick up on it? Because like people like me, even though I am open to the idea, I'm very ignorant to what cryptocurrency is, uh, so I'm kind of turned off by yeah. it in that regard. You know what as I mean? So, it's as it stands now. No, it is not practical because okay. simply in a collapse you are unlikely to run into another person as cryptocurrency. Yeah. Now, let's say the, we let's say we lived in New Hampshire where there are a lot of towns that are almost entirely on cryptocurrency and you are likely to meet someone there in your community that you know has cryptocurrency and he knows you have cryptocurrency and you two want to make a trade then it is practical. But because of the user adoption is not as high as it would be with something like silver coins where it's fungible it's right there in your hand. And you can trade it, no problem. Somebody's going to accept it, no problem. They don't have to set up a special wallet. They don't have to do anything extra. Then that's more practical. So yes, a silver coin, I'm not saying like, oh, only invest in one and don't invest in the other. (laughs) Have silver coins on you, have cigarettes on you, have medicine on you, have bullets on you, have things that you can make the trades with. But I just think it's a really interesting use case. If you had enough people who are using cryptocurrency in a collapse like that, where you can use those devices and you can get that going, and you can keep using cryptocurrency even after a crash. Got you. All right, and so I'm... now we've talked about kind of uh, what the collapsitarians get right, at least the prepper sect of them, um, <laughs> and what the, the Boogalitionists get wrong. Um, so wait, it's is... number one, the financial, number two, the Boogaloo, and number three, the preppers? Yeah. Got you. Yeah, that's what I would say. And really, financial can cover all... Like the other two, because yeah, there are I, there are boogaloo boys who think like it, it'll start because of a of a financial collapse. Most of them seem to think that someone's going to kick it off just out of <laughs> sheer willpower. Um, boogaloo pride. Some of them are, are are slightly more realistic than that, at least. <laughs> and then a lot of the preppers. Some very few. <laughs> a lot of the preppers think it's going to happen through the financial system. So, uh, are there any other ways y'all think it could happen? Oh, I mean, in a world of infinite possibilities, there are so many things that could happen. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to get, I mean, we, uh, yeah, if we're going to get onto theoretical stuff, dude, we could be here all day. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think those are just like the realistic ones where like, yeah, like, those are the three that come to mind. Yeah, economic collapse, something like a full gun ban happening, and you are eventually, you are inevitably going to have somebody shooting in that. And with tensions as high as it is. I, I could see guerrilla groups forming in that scenario. I don't support it, but I can see it. And then the last one is also just realistic. Like, you're prepping no matter what. Yeah. So I think those are the three likely outcomes. Mm-hmm. And really, like, the third, like, the preppers, you probably, you know, like, you can make an argument that they're not really collapsitarians. Like, it's just they're there just in case, you know? Yeah, that's why I say that they're like neutral collapsitarians because yeah. they're really on the back burner about it. It's just like, yeah. this shit is bound to happen. I don't want it to, but I'm going to be able to provide for my family or myself if it does. And uh, yeah, and not exactly all preppers are anarchists or libertarians even. No, not even close. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like regular little conservatives. Yeah. But those are the ones that think that they just have to hold out until FEMA comes. Oh, but you want to. What do you got to say about collapse, Terrence? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you're waiting on FEMA? I guess. I'm, I'm ready, ready for my re-education. <laughs> Monty, you haven't spoken a lot. What do you think about the... Uh... Uh, I don't got anything to say right now. <laughs> 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 so, 
before we move off the topic of collapsitarians, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about, which is how likely are there to be right? I found um, a, a super interesting article a long time ago. This is like a year ago when I first uh, read it called The Surprisingly Solid Mathematical Case of the Tinfoil Hat Gun Prepper, which is a, a long title, but mm-hmm. um, it's this guy who's he's a stormwater hydrologist, which basically just means he estimates the, um, the chance that there's going to be a catastrophic flood in places. <laughs> Is the oversimplified version of saying that? So, but he does all like the the probability calculations of disasters, and so his logic's actually really easy to follow. Um, in one part, he says so the the average colony establishment date in the United States or like North America, obviously it wasn't the United States back then, um, was six, the year sixteen seventy eight, and he wrote this in twenty eighteen. So now it's twenty twenty, but um, at the time, that thanks was, for observation. Uh, yeah, <laughs> genius. Uh, yeah, it's it is current year. Yeah, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. Um. So at the time, that was a, a 340 year sample size for him, and there were two um, revolutionary events. Two events that qualified as revolutionary, or n- maybe a collapse, something like that. Um. That was the American Revolution and the Civil War, obviously. So that means the the chance of revolutionary event is 2 over 340, um, or 0.005882, which is a little, a little over half a percent, basically. Um, if the average lifespan is 78.7 years, uh, which is still pretty much correct, I think, then basically the probability of a revolutionary event happening is um, 1 minus that half a percent, to the 78.7th power. Uh, and there's, that's just like basic uh, statistical like probability math. Uh, if you look up the article, you can see the math he does specifically. But basically it comes out with doing that simple math, uh, a 63% chance of no revolution in the average adult lifetime, and a 37% chance of revolution in the average adult lifetime, which is significantly higher than I think most people account for in like, their day-to-day lives. Uh... I'm not gonna lie, bro. You kind of blew me away with all that. Okay, number one, I just took an econometrics test today, so thank you for fucking me up the ass again <laughs> with being triggered by that shit. Uh, number two, I fucking hate statistics. I-, I think it's the art of lying with numbers and not really lying. <laughs> I'm gonna tell my stats professor that. <laughs> do it. Uh, number three, I do think that you are inevitably bound for a collapse. You know, every empire falls. And that is just fact. So it's a matter of when it falls. And I think that's been a flaw of a lot of people who subscribe to the Austrian school, is that they constantly try to predict a collapse. I mean, you know, going back to Ron Paul. Peter Schiff's been doing it since the last collapse. (laughs) Yeah, Peter Schiff's been doing it since the last collapse. Ron Paul has been calling it since the 70s. Yeah. So the issue (laughs) with Austrians is that, you know, we're, we're viewed as perma bears. That there's always going to be a recession, there's always going to be a collapse, and it's always around the corner. So I, I think it's personally a flaw in the Austrians to try and predict when it will happen. So I don't try to predict, I just think it's bound to happen. And I think it's bound yeah. to happen soon because of the weakness after 2008. People are still suffering 12 years later from that. Yeah. So I don't think this next one is going to be the end of the regime. I, maybe even not the one after that. 
But it is bound to happen, and it can't keep going much longer, because they can keep playing games to drag it out, but you can only inflate the bubble so much until it finally does pop. And they've inflated it so big that it is inevitable that it is going to burst, and it's going to burst hard. Put yeah. simply, the so state is a leech that will keep on sucking, but as the saying goes, nothing lasts forever. Yeah, so it's bound to burst. There is bound to be a collapse. So I do believe that, yes, there is, like... Wait, what's the original question? Uh, I was just commenting on the statistics yeah. you used, but... Yeah, you were just kind of like, talking. How likely do we think <laughs> the like a collapse is to happen? Oh, yeah, very likely. Very likely. Be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> do you think it's going to happen in our lifetimes? I think so. Well, this guy says there's about a 40% chance, so... <laughs> if not a revolution, uh, I think a collapse. I think the, col- the collapse of the financial system is inevitable. I can't put a date on it, but it is inevitable. Okay, like, okay, Porter, so, like, here's my problem with the guy saying there's a 40% chance. You know, he might be right, and you guys might be right that the collapse will happen in our lifetime. I'm not denying that. Here's my it's a problem. small sample size. He admitted it in the article. Okay, that... That, but here's here's my other problem is when you just <clears throat> when you throw around stats like that uh, tied to things that could happen like that, it, it's kind of fear mongering. It, it's kind of uh, saying things that can or cannot happen just to push some idea you may have, like climate change. How many statistics and studies have we seen since the seventies about that stuff, and nothing's happened? Oh, you know what's right? It's actually a very good example. Uh, the world is going to end in 12 years, so be prepared for that. <laughs> We're all going to burn to death. And, no, no, like, no. I'm, Some of us are going to retreat underground believe, Yeah, like I'm not saying I don't believe in climate change and I don't believe that a collapse won't happen. I'm just saying I don't, I, I don't find any safety in statistics with your like, you, claims to make. Are you saying you do believe in climate change then? I, I, I do believe oh, I, I do believe in climate change, <laughs> yes, but I don't believe in it. I don't believe it's as big as an issue as everyone makes it out to be. I think we should save that for yeah. a different episode. Yeah, yeah. For just sure, a quick, for sure. just a quick thing on that topic. We are technically still in an ice age. Yeah. But anyway, are uh, we or are we in the downslope? No, we're in the we're in the tail end of the ice age. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back on topic. Fuck climate change. That's a different topic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, We're going to have to get some leftists on here for that episode. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Stratty. Yeah, I agree. Like Trying to use statistics for this, which is like one of my big gripes with statistics, is that you can get whatever results you want out of it if you do it the right way. So I don't put much stock and faith in statistics. Okay, but probability isn't exactly the same way. Like, Probability is more based in actual math than in lying about. But I math. mean, uh, here's the thing with probability, and, and here's the thing when you take a, when you finish a st- statistics course, I always have trouble with that word. When you take a statistics course, you learn that probability has no actual bearing on reality. I mean, you can do it with a deck of cards. I mean, if you get a king and you shuffle the deck, according to probability, you're not supposed to really be able to get that king again for a long time. But reality does not care much for the probability. It's a, it's a 1 in 13 chance you get another king. 1 in 13, that's not a very high chance. But you could still get 10 kings in a row. 
And that doesn't hold up to probability. It's not likely, but it well, still probability, happens. Probability is a prediction. It doesn't, it's not like a, a law governing what has to happen. It's just saying exactly, what is most likely to happen. Exactly why I don't put much faith in it. Yeah. Because, because <clears throat> probability at the end of the day is just a prescriptive measure that we put to our understanding of random factors in reality. And it does not necessarily hold up. So when somebody comes in with a probability of something happening, I am very skeptical of it. You should not work for an insurance firm or an actuarial ag- agency. <laughs> I was not planning on that anyway, so. <laughs> there are people who make whole livelihoods on probability, so. Yeah, or there are people, that, make livelihoods. That, quickly. There are people that make livelihoods on Python, and I'm not doing that either, so. <laughs> Fuck college. What a waste of my time. Fun fact, though, before we go on to the next topic, I almost majored in statistics at one point because I wanted to uh, do something with uh, my love for sports statistics. I took one statistics class. Fuck that shit. Okay, Nate Silver. I don't know that. He's a, he's a statist- statistician. Fuck that word. He's a statistician who mostly works in predicting the outcome of sports games. Ah, he okay. runs 538.com, I believe. So he also predicts elections. And oh, I'm going okay. back to probability. He's the one who predicted that Hillary Clinton had like a 98% chance of winning the election. Exactly. No, 538 had her at 78%. They were actually the lowest out of all the mainstream media outlets. What the fuck's oh, up so with 70... you knowing all these stats off the top of your head about shit? Like, we're literally... autistic libertarians. I saw it yesterday because people were talking about the <laughs> Iowa thing on Twitter. That's okay, the only that's reason I fair. know that. That's fair, but you know what? I can't talk shit because I can rat off some random statistics about guys y'all never even heard about. So I can't do statistics. I mostly do history. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can tie them together in sports history. <laughs> no, no, okay. Another artistic libertarian thing. I'm not that much into sports. I care about soccer, and that's about it. Eh. Oh, fuck off. Soccer's better than football. That's not true. That's yeah, not it's true not true at all. He just said better, you and then he couldn't not... name sport. <sighs> but even, I said soccer is better than football. It's not. It's also it's not. an un-American. Uh, number you one, finally American got Monty fo- to speak up. American Man, football so... does not involve your feet, really, except for running. Crazy that the fourth episode is the episode we find out that Jay's a Marxist. <laughs> fifth episode. This is the fifth, fifth. episode. Okay, I've been out that long. Damn, all right. Yeah, you missed two episodes. We recorded two in the same night. And they oh, are yeah, drastically right, right. different in quality. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to listen to three. <laughs> no, it's worth listening to. It okay, is. Okay, I was, okay, I was okay. editing the first part. It's, it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, for the most part. But anyway, soccer is better, okay? It is better. The fans are better. Is there ever a right after an American football game? Yes. Oh, yeah? When? Fucking look! Have you ever? Anytime you the ever Eagles seen, win, yeah, yeah. Anytime I was gonna the say. Eagles win, but the Philadelphia is not real. Texas Philadelphia, Philadelphia is not real. Have you ever seen Bill Burr roasting Philadelphia for like ten? All right, minutes? you know what? Listen, hey, I'll find, I'll find some sports. I'll find some good sports libertarian guy to bring on here as a guest, and we'll we'll talk that shit whenever we get that fucker in here. <laughs> all right, listen. All I'm gonna say is that soccer players do not stop every five fucking seconds. Because somebody dropped the ball. Okay. They do not drop it. it. They get it. fucking hit by another. All they do is jog around from one side to another. That's not exactly. fun to watch. Have you tried jogging over a giant field like that all day? I'm not talking about how. 
I would love to see a soccer player get hit by a six, seven, two hundred and fifty pound dude going twenty five miles per hour on his pure fucking strength of his legs. I would love yeah, to see I'd, a soccer player uh, take that. Yeah, hit. and I, I'd I'd love to see Conor McGregor get hit by Andre the Giant. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, but they're fighters. <laughs> I wouldn't really call Andre the Giant a fighter. Okay, now that we've gotten past that, <laughs> we can save that for a different episode. Oh. <laughs> the next thing he wanted to talk about was San Francisco. And oh my god. I have some ideas on how we can connect this to back San to collapsitarianism in a little while. Francisco. I'm gonna well, do, you, do you mean that San Francisco deserves about, a fucking collapse? Yeah, I mean, after talking we'll about collapsitarianism, we'll like, I don't even know how I could tie that together. Like, San Francisco's too fucked up for me, man. <laughs> San Francisco is beyond help. They need a collapse. There, there should be a boogle in San Francisco. <laughs> Yeah, boogaloo for only San Francisco. <laughs> only San Francisco. You are not allowed to boogaloo in there if you're not from San Francisco. Do you Francisco. want to boogaloo so all the homeless people kill each other off? We're not getting into that one again. No, <laughs> no we are we're not, not derailing like that. No, you're the one that said the controversial stuff. Yes, and then I immediately backtracked and talked about like how I... we're not getting into this. <laughs> we're not getting into the homeless topic again. I mean, we sort of have to when you discuss San Francisco. But we're doing it seriously this time. Why do you hate them? Oh my fucking God. Monty, <laughs> I explained it in another episode. If it makes you feel better, Monty, I don't hate them, and we're both Jewish, so it kind of evens out. We're canceled <laughs> out of. even. <laughs> it's, it's a net zero. <laughs> math. That's statistics, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a little macroeconomics here. Uh... San Francisco, where the fuck do you start with San Francisco? How does a city get so absolutely fucked that you are likely to step in human shit and an AIDS needle in the same day? Okay, well, I can give you the answer in one word, and it's something that we're going to talk about in probably countless episodes, but it's bureaucracy. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, but I mean, good episodes every, place, that. every place has bureaucracy, but how did but, San Francisco get to such a point where it's like that? Okay, I'm not saying this is this example of bureaucracy is what caused the collapse of San Francisco, but I'm just gonna, this is just an example of how bad bureaucracy is in San Francisco. Oh, of course. Kamala Harris was uh, <laughs> fucking Willie Brown, who was the mayor of San Francisco <laughs> at the time, and he was married to another woman. Well, I think he got caught or something. They got exposed or whatever. But she ends up being yeah. The she was blowing him for promotions. General. Yeah, she ended up being the attorney general of San Francisco. Now there's some fucking bureaucracy. Yeah, San Francisco has always been bad, but I mean, that's that's your standard corruption. I mean, how many people do you think got their job because they blew the city commissioner or something? Probably high. But I, mean, we're, uh, talking, we're talking. You know, like you just put that thought into my head, and I don't even. I it's uh, not high. I think it's pretty high. But yeah. anyway, uh, I don't know, man. You know, the Oval Office, 1990s. Yeah. Some cigars they don't want to smoke anymore. How much do you think those cigars would sell for? Oh, dude, Stop. You know, no. literally, like, okay, no. so, like, auction. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm imagining. Like, I'm trying to think of other famous things that have sold for a high dollar. They got to go fish, for a million at least. Fish-flavored cigars. Got to go a million at least. <laughs> I could, could you not imagine, pay that much for. Could you imagine if you saw that shit in the Smithsonian? Listen, dude, if you told me it was the scar that went up Scarlett Johansson, I would say yes. But Monica Lewinsky? No. Like, let's be real. Anyway, San Francisco. 
Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I, I love how uh, Jay's like, hey, hey, hey. I'm a, I'm a sleazy motherfucker, but I got standards. <laughs> yes. I don't do cankles. Uh, but San oh, Francisco. But, so recently there was yeah, an article. Yeah, San Francisco. San Francisco. <laughs> we're, we're staying on topic relatively. Uh, there was an article <laughs> where this is the store, the store owner who's bringing in good money, but he is willing to sell his store at any given day. Because he had a woman who came in and OD'd in his bathroom. His metal door is corroded because of all the people who've urinated on it. He has people that are like coming in and stealing hundreds of dollars worth of products a day. It's like he can't keep up over there. And there's no helping. This is literally the place where on a motorcycle subreddit, a dude looked outside the office, the window of his office, and he saw a homeless dude shitting on his motorcycle. On his motorcycle! <laughs> This is um, disrespectful. San Francisco. Like I was telling San Francisco, instead of dealing with like public urination shit, because they made it completely legal, they have walls that just splash your piss back at you. Like designated for that? Yep. Yes, like they are designed by engineers and architects to splash the piss back at you when you pee on them. Man, even Karl Marx gotta be rolling in his grave knowing that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you know. Obviously, the solution to this would be complete privatization. Because if somebody is pissing on your private property, then yeah, you get them escorted out of there. But we're not anywhere, even in a good state, are we anywhere close to total privatization. So how the fuck do you help San Francisco? Well, you know, that's interesting that you say, well, obviously I agree that privatization is the answer. But um, it's funny because I actually was talking to Porter about this just right before the episode. There was a segment on Tucker Carlson one night where um, he did have, or he talked about these private police that were operating in uh, San Francisco at the time. And this was maybe a month or two ago. But these private police, they are hired by businesses to like get the homeless, the drug addicts, all of that, just out of the streets so people will actually go into their businesses. But here's the thing. Because of the federal government's laws, um, these private police aren't really allowed to do anything other than encourage the homeless, these drug addicts, these prostitutes. They, all they can do is encourage them to please leave the sidewalk. And granted, uh, some of them are, you know, a lot of them actually were pretty uh, cool and uh, cleared the way. And uh, same, the private police were cool with them. They came back at closing time and fell asleep where they were the morning. But it's just like, it, it, it's not only, it, it is sad that that's the problem, but it just shows that uh, government is in the way of allowing these private solutions to happen. Oh, of and, course. And government's, uh, <laughs> quote unquote, yeah, and government's <laughs> quote unquote solutions, they, they are, um, again, you're going to laugh and say you don't say, but government solutions are not solutions at all. They're inefficient. The government and, and, doesn't do good. Jeez. And San, government Shit. bad. But uh, San Francisco <laughs> is just the perfect example of that. Um, if, if you want to talk. I mean, there's, uh, uh, of course, there's many examples throughout America. But that is probably the number one right now that comes to mind. Yeah, because San Francisco is the absolute worst. It's a bureaucratic hellhole. You can't do anything about any of these issues. And I mean, I'm just left wondering, like, what would be the mediary solution between what we have now over there and full privatization? Because, like, should a libertarian support, you know, public defecation? I don't know. 
Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, if you came and took a piss on my private property, say in a corner that no one really went in, I wouldn't care. No. Uh, but I could see why someone would. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, when you're at a point where you are walking down the sidewalk and you are stepping in human feces, I'm just like, what is oh, no. the answer to this? Oh, that's why I said if I had private property in a corner, yeah. maybe I wouldn't care. That I'm just saying, like, this shows, like, how ridiculous the idea of public property is. Like, it's not even illegal for them to do that now. Ah, my gosh. Yeah. So now, uh, in San Francisco, I promise you, there's people in San Francisco that are making the same cries that they need to take away the guns for their safety. They need to do this for <laughs> their California, safety. California, what guns? Yeah. They need to do this for their health. They need to do this for uh, sanitary reasons. Okay, but y'all are cool with homeless people doing heroin and shitting on the streets. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, we don't support the drug war either. But when you no. have people, like, <laughs> sh- literally shooting up heroin in the streets and dumping their needles there. And their like, shit. What do, you, what do you do about this? Are and the that's police a, that's allowed a, to escort that, people off the street? Yeah, know. and that is a hell of a health hazard. Imagine if yeah. someone has AIDS and they use one of those needles. Yeah, and that's a problem. I mean, they're picking up 300 needles a day at least. You have That's teams sick. of people scooping shit off the sidewalk in a first world country. And, and I, is, I'm just baffled what to do. <laughs> this is a perfect illustration, I think. Um, I don't have a solution, by the way. <laughs> so this isn't going to be too helpful. But it's a good illustration, I think, of a, kind of the, the fallacy of the consent of the governed thing. Yeah. Um, because no one would let these people do it on their actual property, like on their personal property. Um, no one wants that, like, on something they actually own. But then, as soon as the property becomes publicly owned, which is, of course, a, an oxymoron, but as soon as, it, <laughs> as soon as it becomes the, you know, the sole property of the city, then uh, you have all these progressives saying it's, like, racist or something to, to ban public shitting. And like, <laughs> I really don't know what the solution to that or what the libertarian answer is, short of obviously the, the end well, goal. First, yeah. they have to be libertarian. Like, yeah. That's the solution, is that... Is well, what? Yeah, of course, Sorry. but... Like, we can't just... I don't even want to just march in there and force it, because it won't No, be but successful. let's say... Yeah, exactly. Let's say this was happening in our city, and this was a concern for us. What would be the libertarian answer? Because let's draw a corollary to New York in the 90s. Where you could not go into a public park oh. because you would get jumped. There were drug deals going on. There were homeless people whacking it in the park. And, you know, their solution was to send more patrols that didn't do anything instead of, of I mean, I guess instead of arresting people for the crimes that are already going on. Or maybe have a curfew or something that just punishes. Well, that's what they, that's, but that's what they did. Yeah. That's what they did. And it didn't solve the problem because they just weren't, they already were not arresting people for the crimes that were on the books in those parks. Right. So I guess that's the, the deeper point is there can't be a state solution to state caused problems. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I think uh, the uh, strategy, I the solution is... would be the same as anywhere. We just move from, like, what, what would be the solution in any other city? Like, take I take the most libertarian system. I don't want San Franciscans moving to my city because they're going to ruin everything. <laughs> they're going to shit on everything. Those uh, like intermediary in- institutions like the private police and uh, things like that where 
where the where the state fails, you have to come up with ways to compensate for that in private, you know, voluntary sectors. Uh, that's kind of the only way, and it's it's frustrating because it's never like a full solution. You're not just getting rid of the state overnight, but it's obviously not going to come from the top down. So that's yeah. probably the best way to do it. Well, you know, I think Rothbard says you're allowed one deviation. I think we brought this up before. I think I would have to say my one deviation is using the sidewalk as a toilet. <laughs> no, I think it, as long as it's publicly owned, you can have some basic because that's a health problem with the that uh, PC. Like that's it you can have some basic understand. standards for it. Yeah, and I mean you can't go into a public school and just shit on the floor over there. Yeah, I mean we can be reasonable about it. But well, uh, yeah. real quick, what where does he mention that you're allowed one standard deviation? I mean, I yeah, not, but I've never actually um, read it in text. You know, when you are someone as prolific as Rothbard, I think it's pretty hard to pinpoint it. I would have to look it up and tell you exactly. I'm not sure. So here's the moment we find out Jay just makes shit up off the top of his head and doesn't actually read. Okay. <laughs> but, no, I'm Listen, with you, Jay. If, <laughs> Hello, everybody, blame anyone. welcome to the Lying About What Rothbard Said podcast. <laughs> Rothbard said we have to kill the Jews, so I agree with him. Actually, guys, uh, Rothbard is the one that said seize the means of production, not Karl Marx. <laughs> you guys have been getting it wrong for so long. <laughs> Listen, guys, Rothbard said Mike makes right, okay? <laughs> Rothbard said the strong must dominate the weak. Rothbard was a neocon. Rothbard was everything. Rothbard is what you want him to be. <laughs> Rothbard is the one that said you're either with us or you're against us. <laughs> Rothbard said, "Fool me once, shame on shame me. On you. Fool me twice, can't get fooled again." <laughs> That's what that George Bush said. That in a fucking speech. <laughs> no, it was Murray Rothbard. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. What I'm saying. George, George Bush, Bush quoted Murray Rothbard. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Or at least you got that right. Uh, no, but you can blame Dave Smith for uh, that one deviation thing, I believe. Um, but yeah, my, my one deviation is just don't shit in the street. I mean, fucking come on. And if you're shitting on my car, I am call. I am like, can I shoot you for shitting on my car? Can I legally shoot you for shitting on my car? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think the NAP requires um, like reciprocal force, right? Proportionality. Oh, okay, so, so I gotta shit, on, shit on him. Jesus. Unless that's your one deviation. You just murder anybody <laughs> shitting on your car. I mean, how would you feel if you looked out your window and you saw somebody shitting on your car? I mean, you can't exactly just go, like, grab them off. You don't want to get I mean, shit on you. If I looked out my window and saw someone shitting out my car, I don't think my first reaction would be anger, actually. I think my first reaction would probably be fear and then confusion. I think, I think my first reaction would be, oh, so the collapse is happening now. <laughs> Oh, it's Boogaloo time. <laughs> Grab your rifle, shoot on each other's cars. Your, your honor, I thought it was the Boogaloo. Yeah. Okay. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, society has flipped itself upside down. No rules apply anymore. I, I think I'll mostly be in shock if I saw somebody doing it. Because who the fuck does that? Well, Even if you're here. a homeless dude, it's like, why is your instinct to shit on something somebody owns? <laughs> Here, I think we can wrap it kind of full circle, um, and that's uh, to ask the question: What constitutes a collapse? Is San Francisco like in the middle of a slow rolling collapse right now? Because like, surely that can't be considered a, a civilized society in any sense of the phrase anymore, right? <laughs> they pay taxes, so obviously they're a civilized oh. society. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're okay, right. Well, <laughs> they still have roads. So. <laughs> let's be kind of realistic here, though. Um, is this the collapse for San Francisco? Ah, you know, I don't know if I would say that because I'm willing to bet there's been some cities that have been in some pretty similar conditions, and they've just gone Detroit. back to yeah, they've just gone back to more bureaucratic, more government measures. That's a good uh, point. I'm not saying like, you know, again, I'm not going to rule out collapse. I'm just saying, uh, if anything, this could more realistic, more realistically lead San Francisco actually to voting Republican, perhaps. <laughs> uh, oh, don't get your hopes up. I think you're going to be hard pressed to get that one. I would not put my I bets mean, on that. I'm saying, the probability I'm saying is very more, low. I'm saying that's a more realistic thing than a collapse, in my opinion. I mean, uh, any Republicans they elect would just be like pseudo pseudo Democrats, basically, right? Pretty much. So, like, just Republicans in general. They're still going to support rent control. They're still going to support all Dude, the regulations. You're just explaining. You're just explaining politicians in general. All I'm saying is yeah. the general the general populace will think, "Oh, we're going to vote for another party." There's our solution because they because the general populace is not comfortable with the thought of everything just collapsing. Listen, I think in San Francisco. In that situation, like if they were to massively change their party, you would see them moving farther left, not to the Republican Party. Sure, I'm. I'm all I'm saying is that is a more realistic outcome yeah. than a collapse because people are uncomfortable with the idea of collapse. Yeah, I don't think San Francisco is in collapse. I think it just deserves a collapse. I agree. <laughs> all right, uh, Stratty. Uh, oh think yeah. You had, okay. So I think that's the yeah. rant about. All right, and this is just going to be real quick because I, but I think all y'all, because everyone in here is anarchist, right? Uh, no, actually, I'm an anarcho syndicalist. Oh, <laughs> oh, we'll get on another episode. <laughs> we'll get that on but another. Is episode. Mon- Monty's in? But is Monty? In we're anarchist? all yeah, we're all anarchists here. All right, cool. Um, Speak for yourself. Here, shut the fuck up. I, and I'm sure all y'all are going to relate to this and understand it. Y'all not have that one friend or just person you know that knows you're interested in politics, philosophy, economics, and all that, yet they don't really grasp the fact that you're an anarchist no matter how many times they let you know. So they ask you questions like, what do you think about the impeachment? What do you think about this law? What do you think about this candidate? And pretty much every answer is the same all the time. It's like, well, dude... uh, (laughs) <laughs> like you're like I can give you some thoughts, but ultimately my answer is I don't fucking care, and I don't like it, and uh, it just gets fucking infuriating after a while. Like I'm trying to get my ideas across to people, and they tell me they see what I'm saying, but then they immediately contradict that by asking me what I think about this candidate, this law, <laughs> this policy, you know, and it's, uh, that, that's just so frustrating for me as an anarchist trying to talk to. Uh, people around me that aren't and you know I'm not blaming them I'm not mad at them but just aren't very in tune with political philosophy and all that kind of stuff yeah that's cool and all but what do you think of the Iowa caucus (laughs) it's just funny dude like (laughs) I never really bought into those caucuses at all at all ever I I never really bought into them because I've seen how rigged they are like in 2012 with the RNC did to Ron Paul or what the DNC has done to uh, Bernie Sanders in the last uh, two in Iowa. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't even matter. You can win all the delegates in the Democratic Party. They have super delegates. I'm just talking about caucuses in general, dude. 
I, I mean, not, there's not... a decent chance Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. Yeah, me too. Probably. But I'm not saying caucuses oh, within so. like I parties so. themselves. Like, I think the Liberty Caucus and the Republican Party, the Mises Caucus and the Libertarian Party, whatever caucuses they are in the Democratic Party, I, I think those are legit within themselves. I'm saying like the Iowa Caucus. The, yeah, like uh, for voting. Yeah, that that car, those caucuses, I, I've never bought into them, so I, I don't think much about it. I think it's just kind of it's stupid. It, it, again, uh, Pete Buttplug uh, has <laughs> uh, he has ties to this Shadow Inc. Uh, people, and uh, they are the that ones that had be, the that has to be a limited hangout. How the <laughs> fuck does a company named Shadow Inc. make a voting app for a caucus that <laughs> fucking? Gets Buttigieg to fucking nomination when he was like forty. <laughs> Pete Butt stuff. Uh, when he gets the like forty <laughs> sw- votes short, it, this has to be limited. Hang out. They have to be fucking with us. This is out of a comic book. It's Metal Gear Solid too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to explain the plot to Metal Gear Solid too. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about, go play the fucking game because it's great. Yeah, good luck. Good luck explaining a Kojima plot in like five minutes. Yeah, I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> we'll have a whole episode explaining Kojima plots. <laughs> we Is Kojima a libertarian? <laughs> no, dude, he's got too much of a military fetish. It's like oh, a Tom no, Clancy, no, but no, Japanese. No, I'm just joking. I'm saying that would be a funny episode. <laughs> Is Kojima dumb shit. Get into like analyze all his stories, like fucking. <laughs> no, best episode topic. Is Donald Trump the most libertarian president ever? Oh. That would be a good way to, like, invite some dumbasses on this show and fuck with them. No, it's a one-minute <laughs> episode. We all just say no and leave. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do that? <laughs> that would New be very easy for me to edit. Dude. <laughs> okay. No cap, let's actually do that right after this. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just go ahead and end the recording. Can we just plug our butt? Uh, I mean, no. Our- <laughs> <laughs> what was no, your uh, rant about? That, that was a rant. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, no, we're, we're just uh, dropping everything into the description now. Uh, articles okay, cool, will be cool, in the show cool. notes links. And uh, yep, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for putting up with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, somehow we <laughs> made this See you next week. <laughs>